This is going to be a good night, y'all. Tonight is February 1st, 2017. The title of tonight's message is Get Joe Ash in the Right Place. Get Joe Ash in the right place. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 40. I have no idea what y'all are laughing at. Joe, uh, uh, Exodus chapter 40. You know, as, as, as we were getting ready for tonight, I, I know I said Exodus 40. You can go ahead and turn there. Um, Susan, would you put up Jeremiah 12, 5 before we get too deeply into the message? I want to encourage everyone in the room with this thought. If you've raced with men on foot and they have worn you out. Anybody ever felt worn out before? Anybody felt worn out lately? (laughs) Yeah. If you've raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in the safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? We're going to get to the text here in just a second. We're going to go and have a great time tonight. I hope that it's a lot of fun for all of us. But right before I stepped up on the stage, this scripture was overwhelming in my heart. Amen. It, was, it was absolutely it was all that I could think about. I'm standing up here kind of in my own little world. and Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt, you, you okay? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. This is just what was tumbling around inside of me. If you've raced with men on foot and they've worn you out, how can you compete with horses? This is the type of church that every man, that every person in this room is designed to run and to compete with horses. Whatever you're going through currently, whatever state that you're in, whether it's a a young baby that can spend some time in the hospital, like little Kaysen Adarmes. By the way, I'm so proud of you guys, Haley. I know you guys take turns. I know Alex, I'm sure, is home with with Kaysen. Guys, they had Kaysen in the hospital Sunday night, Haley. Am I correct on that? Sunday night in the hospital with Kaysen, having problems, having fevers. Monday night, they were at Foundations, yeah, they were. and so was Kaysen. Kaysen was hanging out upstairs, and they stayed the entire time. Kaysen's the proverbial, he actually slept like a baby, a, a, a well, it was an incredible thing. This is the group that's designed to compete with the horses. I want to remind you of that. I want to remind you of that. There's not just a select few who are supposed to be superstars in this room. We are part of a body. We each have a place to be. But you are each called, we are each called and designed to have a fit here. I want to encourage you, if you're running with men and you're getting worn out, um, tonight's going to be the kind of night that you can reposition, you can refill your heart and realize that uh, that's giving you maybe where you are today, but that's not where you're going. Amen? Exodus chapter 40, and let's start in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. The idea of setting up the tabernacle, if you were with us on Monday night, uh, did something very unique for foundations. We covered an entire book, went over every chapter in the book of Exodus, about 17 and a half months worth of teaching, over 110 hours that we tried to recap in one evening for you. How many of you guys were there on Monday night? Yeah, most of the room. Amen. Incredible time. What we learned there is that not only had God given them instructions for the, to how to build the tabernacle, but what he had done was now they're at the point where they have to set everything up. They had to put it in its right place. It's, it's not enough to have an Ark of the Covenant 
an Ark of the Testimony if you don't have it in the right place. It's vital that we set things up, we put it in the tabernacle in the right place. When you think about this, uh, what happened as they set everything up, finally got it in its right place, what happened? The glory of God God fell where even, (laughs) where the humans couldn't do their work because God was too busy doing His work. You know what happened in 2 Chronicles 7 when they were dedicating the temple, not just the tabernacle, but also in the temple? You know what happened? They got everything in the right place. They had all the priests ready to go. And you know what happened? The glory of God fell and no man could work because the glory of God was too strong. You know what happened in Acts chapter 2 when they were all in one accord? They got together. They had everybody in the right place. They had everybody doing the right thing. You know what happened then? The glory of the Lord fell there as well. I'm looking forward to having the glory of the Lord fall consistently in our midst. We've had some incredible services. I hope that we don't ever lose the specialness of what's going on. The fact that we can have this past Sunday, people filled with the Holy Spirit, dancing before the Lord because they've been liberated. We have people getting saved and filled with the Spirit, healed. Incredible things going on in our midst. But you know what it is? It's up to us to make sure that each and every person that each and every man, that each and every person is set in the correct place. It's almost like God intends for there to be a place for every man and for each person. Everybody say this with me. Say, God God has a place place for every man man and each purpose. Person. Person. I'll say it right in a minute. It's all right. God has a place for every man and each person. It's an important thing that God has here. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 39. Jeremiah 32 and verse 39. Actually, let's back up to 38. I'd like to catch it here. They will be my people and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me for their own good. Why are we supposed to fear the Lord? For our own good. good, Right? We are, as human beings, we are prone to fear things. We're either going to fear the Lord or we're going to fear what's around us. We're either going to fear what He's saying to us or we're going to fear the the potential, the, the consequences, the imaginary things that might happen to us. But we are supposed to fear the Lord for our own good and, if I say and, And. the good of their children after them. It's more than just us. There's actually, this word can be misused in in our society, but there's a legacy that we're supposed to be leaving. It's not just about us, it's about the generations that come. Amen? And then it says this in verse 40, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. And I will inspire them to fear me. How many of you need some inspiration at times? Right? Need some inspiration to fear the Lord so that they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. This is the Lord speaking. We, we talk, uh, the P. Rose have named their beautiful little lab, Cole Lev, wholehearted, Right? We, we talk about that, Lord, we want to serve you wholeheartedly. We want to be like, like Caleb and have a different spirit about us and, and serve the Lord wholeheartedly. You know what the Lord is saying here? I'm going to assuredly bless you and plant them in the land with all of God's lave, with his whole heart and his whole nefesh. 
This is what it's saying here, that this is an incredible thing. Because why? He, wants, he says earlier that he's going to give a singleness of heart. I think we're in an important season in this church. I think we're in an incredible season in this church. I, I, I think that what is going on now should not be missed by any person. If you are here, you're part of something special. Amen. It's hard to catch that sometimes because what we have feels very normal. Because this is what we do. We come to church and we expect... We expect one of the pastors or one of the elders to say something right. We expect prophecy. We expect a lot, don't we? You should. This is right about what we're doing. We're in a special time in this church, and I don't want to miss it. I, I've, been in, I've been in some other situations where I was in a special time and didn't know because it was the only thing that I had known. I was part of uh, groups of people, and you realize when you look back, you're like, oh, that was kind of special. Wow. When, when Christy and I started out and we were youth pastors at... 19 years old in a church. By the way, that was one of the first times that I'd ever actually... I met Pastor Eric on a fishing trip a long, long time ago. And, and after that, I was like, hey, you ought to come speak to the youth. And, and the, that I was the youth pastor at this church, and it was great, man. He came and crushed everyone. And I was like, whoa, amen. I don't even know what to think. I love it. Just, it was, it was a great thing. We were there and just how the Lord was moving and what we didn't realize is how special that time was in our lives. He was teaching us so many things. We had a, a church and the Lord allowed us to, the kids just started coming. We couldn't even hardly house them where we were. The Lord was doing something special. It was hard for us because we were too young. We were too inexperienced to realize how special that time was. I've been in places at work. <laughs> the way you would say it at work is we were in a golden age. Things were going good. The resources were great. All these things were happening. And I didn't really understand it until those things started to dry up. And you realize, wow, that was a special time. Uh, I've been in different things in different places. And what I'm in now is a very special thing that I'm trying not to wait till after it's over for me to look back and go, wow, that was really special. God, I wish I would have realized that then. I'm just sharing these thoughts with you because I want you to not do like I did and miss the specialness, the uniqueness of what's going on. You know, this afternoon we were, we were studying and uh, um, we, we started finding out uh, some, some scriptures. We started looking at a, a king uh, uh, by the name of Joash. And, and I just want to, hopefully I, I can get this for you and uh, have this make sense. So if you've got your notebook with you, you're going to want to catch some of this. Give me just a minute, we're going to work through it and then uh, hopefully it'll make a lot of sense to you. Okay, so first of all, we have, uh, we have Judah here, and then we have Israel. Okay? We had one kingdom. It got split into two kingdoms. We know these things, right? The king of Judah was Jehoshaphat. And over here in Israel, about the same time, we have a king called Ahab. Yeah, Ahab was a wicked, wicked wicked man. Okay, so um, then we have, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to simplify this next level. We start having a lot of names that all sound kind of similar. And if you're interested in studying it out, we can go in depth with you. We'll be glad to sit down at the house. But for now, we're just going to say we have another king of Judah here. We have another king of Israel here. Then what we do is we have this king of Judah 
that marries a woman by the name of Athaliah. Okay? Athaliah is actually the daughter of Ahab. Yeah. <laughs> Athaliah is the daughter of Ahab. Then we have, they have a son called Ahaziah. And they have a son called Joash. And over here in Israel, we have a particular man by the name of Jehu. Yay for Jehu. Okay? Y'all with me so far? We're, gonna, we're getting some teaching, but we'll, we'll, we'll show how this relates to us in just a second. So we have this, uh, this, this here on, on the board here. So what we have is we have two different branches. But what we have here is we have, because it's Ahab's daughter, now we start having some very interesting times in the nation in Israel, in Israel and Judah. Okay, so let's turn to... Second Chronicles chapter 21. Second Chronicles 21. The, the truth is, is we had a scripture earlier in, in this afternoon and I was like, I don't quite know where that goes. I, I don't know the history around it. I, I pr- pulled out a verse that we're going to read in a minute, by the way. And you're going to love it. But I was like, I don't know the story behind it. I, I really don't. I, I was embarrassed to say it. And the truth is, is the pastors at the table were like, I'm not sure we're really clear on this either. We, we couldn't figure out where certain people went. We couldn't put everybody in the right place. We had to figure out how to get Joash in the right place. Sometimes you got to get Joash in the right place. Just saying. <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter 21 and verse 15. It says this. <laughs> this is Elijah the prophet that's speaking to him. He says, you yourself, he's talking to the king of Judah, Jehoram at this time. You yourself will be very ill with a lingering disease of the bowels. Until the disease causes your bowels to come out. Ugh. So what we have here is we have the king of Judah, Jehoram, in a very, very painful way that God deals with and brings judgment as prophesied through the prophet Elijah. And this is exactly how he dies. Okay? Everybody's like, yeah, I can't be any more uncomfortable than I am right now. <laughs> now turn, turn to the next chapter and let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 22 and verse 7. This is going to get incredibly interesting here. So in 22.7 it says this, Through Azahiah's visit to Joram, which is the king of Israel, God brought about Azahiah's downfall. When Azahiah arrived, he went out with Joram to meet Jehu, son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed to destroy the house of Ahab. We're going to hold right there, leave the screen, leave the scripture on the screen. This guy, Jehu had been anointed to do what? To destroy the house of Ahab. Okay? House of Ahab. We have here a king of Israel who is a wicked man. His daughter, which by the way, means that these two are siblings. Okay? So what Jehu does 
is he comes and he find out that he ends up this taking care of Azahiah. Look at the next verse in verse 8. While Jehu was executing judgment on the house of Ahab, he found the princes of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah, relatives uh, who had been attending Ahaziah, and he killed them. He then went in search of Ahaziah and his men captured while he was hiding in Samaria. He was brought to Jehu and put to death. They buried him. For they said, he is a son of Jehoshaphat who sought the Lord with all of his heart. So look what happens. We have Jehu who comes and takes care of Ahaziah. In another place, we find that he also takes care of Joram, the king of Israel. A lot of names, right? That's why I'm trying to draw some things on the board. Jehu takes care of Ahaziah and his uncle, the king of Israel. God had a purpose for Jehu. There is wickedness that is in the land and is starting to spread to both kingdoms, both Judah and Israel. Jehu comes in and he takes care of this one because the Lord had given him this exact instruction. He also takes care of the king of Israel with an arrow straight into the chest. That's actually how he takes care of the king of Israel. Shot through the heart and you're to blame. She gave love a bad name. Okay? So as we're going along, we find that Jehu comes in and actually does a righteous act and tries to get things back in order for the, for the kingdom of Israel. This is an important piece in, Israel, in the history of Israel and Judah here that these things are going on. So what we have left is we have, we have Mama, Athaliah, who decides that she wants to stay in power. Uh, Susan, can you put on the screen James 3.16, please? James 3.16 says this, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there, everybody say there, there. you find disorder and every evil practice. If you have envy and you have selfish ambition, no matter what you call it, you can call it being... Uh, you know, that you're just, you're just excited about what's going on, that, that you're industrious, that you're hardworking. The truth is, is if your heart has envy and selfish ambition in there, if you're constantly trying to show people what you can do and have people recognize you for what you can do, then you better be careful because you might find disorder, which is where this usually starts out. Um, what was the character's name in, in Charlie Brown? Pigpen? Pigpen is there, and you know how they would draw Pigpen? Is everywhere around him there was just a cloud of dust, right? Be careful about people that you walk up to, and spiritually, every time you get around them, there just seems like there's a cloud of dust. I can assure you that there's some type of envy and selfish ambition going on. You know why? Because you're finding disorder, and you will eventually find every evil practice. You're going to find these things that are, that are going on here. So Athaliah had this envy and selfish ambition going, because you know what she decided? She decided that she wanted to kill Joash. Joash is her grandson. Here, here is, Joash at this time is a very, very young child. And actually when you're reading through the story, you actually, it starts sounding a little bit like the story of Moses. Where they were, there needed to be someone to come in and, and rescue and kind of and hide Joash away. We had to, we had to find a place for Joash. We had to get him in the right place here. We had to protect Joash. (laughs) 
Let's turn to Second Chronicles 23, just another chapter over and also verse 7. It says this, The Levites are to station themselves around the king. The Levites are to station themselves around the king, each man with his weapon in his hand. Anyone who enters the temple must be put to death. Stay close to the king wherever he goes. <laughs> this king who is a child has the entire Levites, all of the Levites. There's a particular man who is the, uh, the high priest there. Jehoiada. Jehoiada comes in and he says, you know what we need to do? We're going to station everybody. Everybody get your weapon. Everybody get your sword. Are you ready? If anybody walks in the door. You know what we need to do sometimes as believers? <laughs> we're trying to set up, right? We understand that we're in a warfare. But sometimes we're trying to wait to see things up close before we decide if it's good or bad. There are some things that when you know that you're called to be, when you know that you have instructions from the Lord, you know what you're supposed to do? You're just supposed to set it up and defend it at all costs. You have to presume that if some things are coming against you, it's just the enemy. I'm not going to wait to see if this is a friend or not because I know what I'm supposed to be standing here doing. I'm supposed to protect the rightful king. I'm supposed to stand here and give my life for this. As they say, somebody's going to lose their life. It's either going to be you or me. But I know that I'm not going to wait till you get close to figure this out. They were saying that once they entered the door, the decision was already made. So that as they were supposed to stay close to the king wherever he goes. So you have this priestly figure. You have a father figure here that comes and rescues Joash and they take care of him. They help raise him in the right way. We have a faithful priest who protects Joash. We have a faithful priest, whether you're a priest or a non-priest. In this case, we can see that God is working to do something important, that he's got, he's set up, he's raised up Jehu. He raised up Jehu for this purpose, to bring righteousness back into the house of God. Amen. This is an incredible thing for us to take a look at. Uh, turn to Numbers chapter 32. Numbers 32. So what are we being raised up to do? What are you being raised up to do? Jehu, a king, a godly avenger coming to bring about justice and righteousness for God's people. You have Joash, a rightful king in Judah, but he needs a protector, someone to be there, a righteous standard for him that can come and ensure his life and protect him. Aren't you glad that we have a faithful priest who can help us, who can protect us, a godly avenger who comes? You know, while we're talking about this, you know what Joash means? God has given. It's important that we protect at all costs what God has given us. Amen? What do you need to protect in your life? Are you protecting what God has given you? In Numbers chapter 32, verse 27, it says this, But your servants, every man, everybody say every man, armed for battle will cross over to fight before the Lord, just as the Lord says. You know, as, as we think through these things, 
uh, being a school teacher for as long as I was, I had a great opportunity to see the development of students along the way. I actually got to teach them for more than their high school career, but at least in high school. So I would see a group get raised up. Be like, man, this is the best group that we've ever had. This, this is the best that we've ever done. And I had, I'd have superstars in the midst. I, I, I'd have people who were talented musicians. Some are still playing music today professionally. Fantastic players. Fantastic musicians. And I'd get close to a graduation period. I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you going to do now? Because I'm, I'm graduating all these superstars. What's going to become of the band program? But inevitably what would happen every single time is that we would go through and as those superstars would leave, you know what I figured out? The next year, the whole group stepped up and took it up a notch. The whole group did. What was the weakest of our players the year before? Nobody was that low. We had, a, we had achieved another notch. And so now the whole group was higher. And now the ones that I wasn't sure if they could rise to the top, they would, they would grow exponentially. And what we'd find out is the next year, we were better than the year before. We, we were just better. And I was like, okay, Lord, I don't know how this is going to happen. The next year, you know what happened? I'd send off my best and brightest. They'd go play in universities around the country. And I was like, okay, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to replace those. But you know what I'm going to do? Lord, I'm going to trust you. What happens? And every year we'd work at it. And you know what happened? The whole, the whole level of the group would come up again. Amen. It's like, this is incredible. I don't know how this is happening. And we'd, it, in a non-ending cycle, every time I thought we were kind of done, maybe we had peaked. In the time that I was teaching, we never peaked. Every year was better than the year before. Why am I telling you that? Um, February 16th, we're not sending out people permanently yet. But, but let's think through the history of the church for just a minute. Uh, people like Nick Slaughter. When I talked to, to Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt, they were like, God, we're sending out our best. Lord, what are you going to do? Then, then an incredible man, Zeke Lamb, comes in and his family. And they stick around for a while. You know what? They get sent out. Lord, we're, we're giving our best and our brightest here. The, the superstars amongst us, they're, they're going. You know what happens? We get... We get the Hutchinson family that comes in. Yeah. Guys, I, I'm not saying this just to... This is not pretend. This is a real glimpse into what it is like to be a pastor. To go, Lord, we're, we're sending out the people who are valuable. We're sending out people who are steady tithers and ministry leaders. And, okay, Lord, Lord, what are we doing? Then we send out the Vincents. Uh, in between there, there was an Eric Treister that got sent out. You know, you know, we're at a time here. We're about to send out some more. We've got the Arizinas. We've got Nick and Sam Arizina that are getting close to getting sent out. They're going to be on, on some of this trip. What about the Brassos? You've got Buddy and Kim Brasso that's going to be sent out whenever the Lord releases that, but it's getting sooner than later. Amen? Yeah. What about Judah and Sasha Stevens? Now, if you don't like the fact that I'm calling out names, you, you should get over it. <laughs> if you don't like the fact that I'm singling out people, it may show that you're not on that level with them. Because you know other people that I think of? I, 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 look, at, I look at Justin Treister. And I'm like, he and his family, that is a fine believer. <laughs> the world isn't ready for him. Ain't no way. 
You know, I think of people like uh, if, if, you know, lest I leave him out, I don't even think he's here tonight. But if you don't get out of Peyton Parsons way, he is going to work himself into being one of the finest men of God that you've ever seen. How about Abambola? How about Justin Linton? How about Gabe Stevens? How about, I mean, what, what are we doing here? What we're seeing is, is that as any one person, we are not a church that's going to be, ever be built on a superstar. But you know what we do have? Uh, I'm going to use my friend Nick for just a second. You know what Nick wasn't four and a half years ago? Nick wasn't a superstar four and a half years ago. Did I just hurt everybody's feelings? I'm sorry. <laughs> We're like, you, know, you know what he's done? He's proven to be of value in the kingdom. He's proven by his excellent work, by his diligent studies, by how much he hangs around and is discipled. You know what he's done? He's made himself. He's proven that there's a worth that's there that is absolutely world-changing. What are you going to do? It's time to step up. It is time for each of us to step up. I've seen Justin over the past year, Justin Treister, I've seen him do the same thing. I've seen him put himself at a level... I don't, he and I haven't talked about this, but I've seen him. So I've seen him put in the work, and I went, "Wow!" I mean, he's always been special. Got a beautiful family, great beard, great love of cigars. There's got to be something right with him, right? But what I've seen, in, specifically in about the last 12 months or so, something that is just on par with very few that I've ever seen. This is special, guys. So, what are you going to do? Are you going to lament the fact that I didn't call your name tonight? Or are you going to actually work and make something of yourself to step in? Because what's going to happen is the Arizinas are going to go. We're going to, we're going to plant them in Turkey sooner than later. You know what that does? That gives us a spot for you to fill. I don't mean that we need another Nick and Sam. I mean, there's a space for you to come and grow and be just as hungry as they were and be whatever God has called you to be. But now there's a space for it. I remember that Miss Joe prophesied. I can't remember within the last year, maybe six months, Miss Joe. She was standing right here, and she prophesied that the Lord was sending us out, and that there would be vacancies, and that we had to step up and fill it. Yes. Are you ready to step up? Yes. It's a whole lot more than what we were going to say about it. It's, it's actually if we're going to die to ourselves, if we're actually going to invest in what God is doing in this group. Pastor Eric spoke on the hand of unity a few weeks ago. We've talked on uh, last night at the house, there was a, a scripture chain, an incredible scripture chain about ichad or being one. Are, are you going to pull in? I, I'm proud of the Molochs. They're, selling a, they're trying to sell a house that we're going to go help with to prepare. They're going to get it done because you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to get closer. They're going to be three minutes from the house now. I think probably right in the middle of Arizona Stevens and... Stephen Sutherland land, right? I, I love the Browns because I know they've been looking. We're, we're, we need to pray. They're, they've been looking for houses that are closer. So you know why? So we can be together. You know why that's important? Because this is a special time. This is special. Are you going to draw in to what's going on? Are you going to get yourself in the right place here? Because there is a place for every man and each person. You've got to fill it. You've got to step up and fill this. I can't express it enough. That is my heart. We even, I even shared this on Monday night. That's my heart. 
God, Lord, don't let there be one person. Y'all know how valuable the Clements are in this church? You know how valuable they are? Oh, my gosh. We got to hang out with them the other day in the hospital, talking to doctors about Eliana. You know what I saw? Just unwavering faith. I was like, God, I need to grow up and be like them one day. For real. Hey, let's step up. Not that we're trying to take each other's place. That's a worldly perspective. That's envy and selfish ambition. I don't desire to take someone's place. I desire for me to find my place in the kingdom and step boldly into it and go, you know what? No matter what enemy comes in the door, I'm going to slay it. The second that I see it walk in the door, I know that if anything is trying to come and remove me from this spot, I'm going to slay it. I don't even, I need to, this is where the rock Kazaka Mats comes in, where we have to have enough strength, enough courage. It doesn't matter what comes through the door because we're going to be victorious. This is nice for us to say, right? One of the things that we must do as a church is not just hear these words. We can't just be hearers of the word, but we must be what? Doers. In other words, when you're in the job and it's going tough and you're struggling financially, you know what you need to do? You need to put your head down and work through it. Amen. Don't whine. Don't wiggle out. Sit there. Look at it right in his face and be determined to work through it. You know why? Because God is working things in you that we need as a church. We can't have somebody. I, I don't want to be on the battlefield and have somebody, the second that an enemy comes in, you're like, oh. You drop your sword because you're, you're, you're shaking so bad. Well, well, pastor, that's spiritual. I wouldn't do that spiritual. If you're going to do it at your work, of course you'd do it in the spiritual realm. You think there's a difference between those two things? You think you're going to be half-hearted at work and be full-hearted in church? doesn't happen that way. We are not designed as human beings to be able to do that. You think you're going to be half-hearted in your home, in your leadership there, and be you know, one of God's anointed, the the man of power for the hour, you think you're going to do that? This is not how this works at all. We're going to have your servants, every man armed for battle. We're going to cross over. Everybody say cross over. What a beautiful scripture chain you can get just with the words cross over. How many times can you cross over from, from death to life? When they, when they were counted, they had to be they had to cross over from one side to the other and pay a ransom for their life. How many times are you gonna, we're going to do cross over? We've got to cross over from immaturity to maturity. Yeah. We've got to cross over from worrying about ourselves to understanding that there's a group that's counting on us. We've got to quit worrying about just me and understand that there are, there are generations after me that this matters. Your life matters. Quit thinking in such a worldly way and say, oh, I'm, not, I'm just not that much. Stop with the insecurity already. Stop. This church needs you to grow up, to step up, to stand up, to speak up, so that we can go up. Amen? Amen. Let's take a look at Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6, verse 5. Joshua 6, 5. Say there when you're there. says this when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets have all the people give a loud shout how many of the people all All the people then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up 
every man straight in. You know what it's my honest, my honest belief? Is that if, if there wouldn't have been all the people give the shout, I think there would have been a problem. I, I, I know that the power of God was there. I think the whole point of this is they were all in one heart. They were all in one mind. They were all in one accord. When you hear the sound of a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up. Everybody say, go up. Go up. Every man straight in. As we go in through this, guys, whatever's going on in your life, Cody, things that are going on in your life, this is how we're going to be victorious because you're going to be in the group. We're going to each help each other, each responsible to carry out our loan, never letting anyone be burdened beyond what they can handle, and we're going to go up. We're going to make the loud shout. We're not just going to only shout, but we're going to then walk in. We're going to walk straight in. This is what we're supposed to be doing, that every man will get to go straight in. Take a look at Psalm 62. Psalm 62. Let's take a look at the last few verses in 62, starting in verse 11. 62, 11, it says this. One thing God has spoken Two things have I heard, <laughs> that you, O God, are strong. Everybody say, God, you're strong. God, strong. And that you, O Lord, are loving. Say, God, you're loving. God, Before we get to the rest of the verse, do you need anything else? What else do you need? If you know that God is strong enough to handle wherever you are, to deal with the situations, to deal with the, uncomf- the, uh, the uncomfortable situations in your life, you know what the problem is? Is some people would rather sin than actually go through affliction. Some people would actually rather sin than to go through the affliction. What do I mean by that? The second that it gets difficult, <laughs> we're squealing like a stuck pig. We're trying to find a way so that we don't have to do what's right before us to do. We want to take the detour. We want to take the shortcut. We want to skip the difficulties and get to the end where everything is wonderful and, and, and life is good. And yes, amen, where we can step right in. Yeah. What you have to do is understand that the Lord is strong. He's strong enough to walk with you through these things. And He's also loving enough to know that you're in the situation and need Him. So if you're in a difficulty, you just have to trust that He put you there. He put you there. Do you have things in your heart that, are, that you're just struggling with? Lord, I don't know why. This is difficult, Lord. Chris, you got anything difficult going on in your life? Absolutely. Yeah, uh-huh. One of the reasons I love Chris. So joyful. Have you ever walked up to Chris and he's just like, Never. Hey, having a bad day. That brother, he could just been crushed seven ways from Sunday and he'll just, Hey, Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> what? I love this. I love his family. These guys are... How long have you been here, Chris? About 19 months. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm glad I asked the right person. You know, 19 months. So he got here right before we started, or right around that time. Oh, you got here and you started coming right after that. That's right. This is an incredible thing. You never see Chris Rizor down. And you know he has tough days. 
But you know what he proves? He loves a God who is strong and who is loving towards him. Come on, good mamas. We love y'all. <laughs> Got the baby chorus going out the door. It's all right. Psalm 62, 11. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. There's a place for every man and there's a place for each person. What the Lord will do is that he will reward each person according to what we've done. What I want to say tonight is right here while we're doing this, is what you're doing matching up to what you say that you want to do? Is there integrity between, oh, pastor, I want to do this, and God's doing this, and I want to see great things happen in my life? Is what you're doing in the private, is what you're doing in the quiet, is what you're doing in the places where people who can't see you, are you living that enough where it will get you to where you want to go? Or do we just... We're just so comfortable saying things and living a different life. Guys, we have to. We have to step up. We have to step up. John and Joy, y'all have been so faithful in this church for so long. And you know what I know? We're going to need you to step up. We're going to... Ibrahim. We're going to need you to step up, brother. This is an important time. Ray. Sweet baby Ray. Lindsay, we're going to need you to step up. This is an important time. Gabby, I need you to step up. Is this a, a rebuke? No. I'm just trying to, if I had a trumpet right now, I'd play it for you. I'm just trying to sound a call and say, hey guys, this is an exciting time. Oh my gosh, we're in such a great church. Let's not, let's not let complacency set in. Let's not distraction from the world of whatever's going on in your job, whatever's going on in your home, whatever's going on in your family. Let's not let those things pull us away. Enemy wants to come in and do what? Wants to pull you away from where the fire really is. Wants to pull you away so that you're there, you're connected, you're just not nearly as hot as it once was. You're not nearly as on fire as once you once were, but you still feel warm, so you're like, hey, I'm doing good. Daniel, did you have a great breakthrough financially today, yesterday, whenever that was? Amen. It's almost like when we put our full hope and trust in the Lord, that He works things out for us. He's trying to do some incredible things in your life, Daniel. You've got an incredible family. You've got something special going on. It's time for all of us to step up. Amen? Amen. To reward each one of us according to what He's done. Turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Let's look at verse 9. John 1, 9 says this. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. (laughs) We have an incredible testimony that every man gets to have. There is a place for every man and each person. God has a place. He's putting these things in right order in our lives. He's moving us to where we need to be. Sometimes we look at things and we think it's so linear. We're here. We have a problem. We we encounter the problem. And we're asking God to interact so that we can get to a solution. 
It's not linear like this, folks. God has got all kind of things working on our behalf to get us exactly where we're supposed to go to set us up for the next thing. He's got it working. All we can see is one way. Um, turn, to, turn to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. We're going to look at verse 1. I could help if I'm in the right book. That's Psalm 38. Job 38. <laughs> Couldn't figure out why what I was reading wasn't making sense. Thank God. Amen. 38.1 says this, Then the Lord answered Job. What are the next words? Out of the storm. Wait, what? Out of the, storm. the Lord answered Job out of the storm. We want to get out of the storm. We want to bypass the storm. We want to go around the storm. But the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. You know what's interesting about this? When you're reading through the book of Job, Job is actually asking for this earlier. If only the Lord, in Job 9, if only I had an advocate, right? If only I could present my case to the Lord. If only I could present my case to the Lord. I think there are five times in the book of Job where he's either hinting at or directly saying, I want to present my case to the Lord. If only I could. Here's God's answer to him. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. What does he say? <laughs> Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Anybody ever been guilty about saying something that you don't know what you're talking about? You get involved in a conversation, you try to throw some little pithy comment in there, and you're like, ooh, Oh, I didn't have any idea. Right? The Lord comes out of the storm and is speaking to him from the storm. What, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. <laughs> you want to talk about it, Job? Well, let's talk. <sighs> let's just read just a little bit of this next part. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you must know. Who stretched out a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Hey, where were you, man? You want to start talking about what the Lord's not doing? You know what we're doing when we're complaining? You know what we're doing when we're saying that, that our life is rough and we just don't know what we're going to do? You know what we're doing? We're saying, Lord, if only you would, you would seek our advice. If only we could present our case to you, Lord. No, 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 no. I don't think you want to do that. I don't think you need to reason your way out of your situation. I think you need to submit to what the Lord is doing in your life. Amen. That is a very different approach for us to take. We think ourselves into where we, we, where we like. We kind of talk ourselves in a little happy circle. Yeah, that sounds like a good argument. You ever done that and present it to somebody and they shoot you down with one question? Yep. Yeah. I've been working on that for hours. Come home and you're all ready to, to, to argue with your spouse. And they're just like, well, why didn't you just do this? Ah, I didn't think about that. Right? We do the same thing with God, though. We're crying out and lamenting. 
Lord, I just want to submit to what you're doing in my life. You know what? If this is difficult, praise be to God because he is working things out of me. I must need to be crushed more than I thought. Thank you, Lord. This is incredible. I need to die to myself. There's way too much of me and not enough of you. Please do it more, Lord. Ow, that really hurts. Thank you, Lord. I'm a little weary, Lord. But thank you. I'm going to submit to you. I'm not going to try to reason why this is or isn't. I'm going to submit to what you're doing. Lord, I submit. Lord, I die to myself daily. I deny myself. I die. I pick up my cross and I'm following you. Well, didn't I do that yesterday? Yes. Yes, you should have. You know what you need to do today? The exact same thing. And the truth is, it's not once a day. If we want to be honest with ourselves, if if I'm going to use the, the idea of a superstar, the superstars in the kingdom, you know what they do? They learn they've got to die to themselves all the time. Every thought, got to die to self. Got to take up my cross and I've got to follow him. I've got to decide that my sacrifice is much more important than my reason. I've got to decide that my submission to him puts me in the right place and I will trust him and I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is how that I'm going to do this. Turn to Job chapter 40. Chapter 40 and starting in verse 1, it says this, The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. This is the Lord speaking to Job. Really? Really, big boy, you want to defend yourself? Go ahead and answer me now. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I... uh, I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job. Where? It's almost like God likes to speak out of the storms in our lives. Did he not do that with Elijah? Spoke to him from the storm upon top of the mountain. Earthquake, fire. And the Lord was speaking to him in a still small voice from this place. Did not God speak to Moses from the storm on top of a mountain? Did not Jesus do the same thing on the cross? As the skies had darkened, as as the storm clouds arose, did he not speak and say what? It is finished. God is still speaking to us in the storms in our lives. Come on, guys. If you're in storms today, if it's at work, if it's at home, if it's in your own heart, if you're wrestling with things that you thought have long since been taken care of and the Lord's bringing it to the surface so that he can cull that away so that he can refine you like a refiner's fire so that he can pull that dross away from you you know what you need to do Lord I know that you speak out of the storm and this is how you help me to be in submission to you so that you then place me rightly exactly where I should be then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm brace yourself like a man I will question you and you will answer me you know what we are not going to be able to get away without answering the Lord do you have that personality? Being a school teacher, I could answer, I could ask a question, and what people would do is sometimes they would get real quiet. They're quiet personalities in the crowd, and if you just stay quiet long enough, somebody with a big mouth, they're going to answer for you. 
there are people in this room who do the exact same thing. If I just stay quiet, if I smile and nod, maybe no one will ask me directly a question. I know, I see you. I know exactly who you are. I could point you out, but then that would cause you to crumble under your seat. I can assure you that the Lord doesn't allow you to do that, though. He doesn't allow you to be where I'm just going to, I'm a little nervous about answering, so I just will sit here quiet enough, long enough, where someone else will feel the urge to answer. The Lord is requiring you, each of us, to step up, to be set up in the right place, and to grow with the Lord. And for some of us, it's going to create, no, for all of us, it's going to create us an uncomfortableness in what we're doing. If you haven't felt uncomfortable in a while, it's because you haven't been stretched enough. There should be an uncomfortableness in what you're doing. I've been uncomfortable lately. The Lord has been wearing me out. Maybe y'all are much further along than I, but you know what I do? Praise God. Lord, I feel like junk right now. I'm telling you, I feel like I could crawl up under a rock. Oh, maybe that's the answer anyway. Maybe I'm not crawling under a rock. Maybe I need to go to the rock and allow and just and fall on him so that I can be broken. Lord, I still find that I've got way too much of me. How about you? You holding on to things? When fear sneak up, you got too much of you. When anger flares up, when, when hope dissipates, when you're being worn out, there's too much of you still involved in this. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 13 says this. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Not only is this the way that it's going to be for us in our lives, but we understand that the end of all mankind that if there is a place for every man and for each purpose, for each person, then what happens is, is at the end of all this, we're going to be judged according to what we've done. Whether we've allowed God to put us in the right place, at the right time, to be used properly in everything that God has for us. You know, as, as a, a leader in a business, you know what it, it, a, a business leader is supposed to do? You know what a, a principal was supposed to do? Find the people, understand who they are, and put them in the right spots. I could have the right person, but if I put them in the wrong spot, then I don't get the results that I'm supposed to get. The organization is much worse if I don't figure that out. You know, if I put them doing this and that person doing this, everything works better. Huh. Thank you, Lord, for showing me that. You know what the Lord does? He pays attention to what we can do, to what He's designed us to do, because He wants to reward us. He will reward us. Turn to, turn to Revelation 22. He will judge us according to what we've done. And in Revelation 22, verse 12, it says this, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he's done. His reward is with him. If we haven't done right, then it's a judgment. and It's a fearful thing for us to do. If we've done what's right, then what we do is we say, Amen. His reward is with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 
and verse 3. Now, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. Every man is under the headship of Christ. And the head of every woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. I want you to realize, though, that the head of every man is Christ. If we are all working towards the headship of Christ, if we're all in the right shalom, then he can put us where we're supposed to be. We can, he can put us doing what we're supposed to be doing. Turn back with me to Second Chronicles chapter 24. Second Chronicles 24. Let's look at verse 21. So we're going back now. We're going back to Joash. They were people raised up to clean out the house of God. Jehu came along and was raised up and did righteous things to help cleanse the people of God. Jehoiada, the priest, came along and protected Joash. The Bible says that Joash did well. He lived righteously as long as Jehoiada was alive. But as soon as Jehoiada died, the end of Joash, this could be a great thing. What God had given seemed to go along well and he wanted to cleanse the temple. But as soon as Jehoiada died, what happened is this. In 2 Chronicles chapter 24, and verse 21, it says, But they plotted against him. And by order of the king, they stoned him to death in the courtyard of the king's temple. King Joash did not remember the kindness of Zechariah's father, Jehoiada, had shown him, but killed his son, who said as he lay dying, May the Lord see this and call you to account. This is actually the last murder in the Older Testament. This is Zechariah, son of Jehoiada. So what do we have here in this story is we have King Joash that decides to kill the son of the fatherly priest figure in his life. Instead of protecting what God has given, the one who was actually protecting it, Joash kills the prophet, kills the son of the father figure in his life. What an incredible thing. If we're not careful, if we're not protecting it, instead of, instead of doing a great job of protecting what God has given us, this very thing, this very heart there, can end up being the destruction of what God has planned. When we don't take care of it, when we don't protect it, when we don't understand that there is a place for every man and each person, then what we do is we start negating the very things that God has given us. We start breaking down in the very ways that God is intending to build us up. Turn with me back to Exodus 40 as we close.
you know, this stories, these stories here of Joash and his family that we were looking at comes from the Chronicles. Comes from the writings, which is supposed to show us how we are supposed to walk faithfully in the land that we're in. We see examples here. If we had Jehu, who walked faithfully in these examples. We had Jehoiada. We had Joash, who started off on the right path, but could not protect what God had given him. Could not actually live up to what his name stood for. In Exodus chapter 40 and verse 1 and 2, just where we started tonight. Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting on the first day. When you keep reading this entire chapter, it says, Place this here. Place this here. Put this right here. Set this up over here. Do this the right way. And then in verse 34, turn there with me. It says this, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. My heart's cry for us tonight is that we take everything that's been going on in our lives. We're not distracted. We're not disappointed. We're not discouraged. But we are ready to set up the right things in our life. For some of us, it's to step up. We've got to set up the right things in our life. We've got to understand that God has a place for us. And if you're not yet clear on that, then you know what you do? You keep working at what God has put before you and He will show you the rest of it because you're going to trust that He's got a place for every man and each person. There's not a person that God is going to leave out. We read in Psalm 62, the Lord is loving and the Lord is strong. He can help put you where you need to be. But you have to be ready to step into the place that God has for you. I learned something a long time ago. It was a concept that, that made, it was made clear to me. Uh, and it's this. I was trying to figure out how to do a better job of following the people who were over me. This was not here in Houston. This was elsewhere. And I learned the idea of tanking. Have a big, big ship, a big airplane that's flowing, that's flying, and it's got a fuel tanker. And what another plane would do is they would come up to it. You guys have seen this, the little small hose, and they come up and they connect. They get fueled in midair, and they keep going. It's an incredible process. It, it blows my mind that you can be moving that quickly in the air, tens of thousands of feet up, and what a plane can do is it can, it tanks. It finds, where, it finds where the Spirit's moving. It catches up, gets connected with what's going on, and gets all the fuel that it can handle and goes off to finish its purpose. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with finding what the Holy Spirit is saying in your life and getting connected to that? It's a great picture of discipleship as well. We find the right person and we get connected to them. They're going in a direction where it's, our, it's, our, it's on us to follow them. It's on us to catch up with what they're doing and find out and learn. And then we go off and, and work hard. And then we come back up. But how are you doing following the Holy Spirit tonight? We've got to step up. We've got to stand up. Stand with me tonight.